everyone. Welcome to Vocal Perspective. This is our first episode back for 2021. Happy New Year, everybody. We made it. We did. We made it. I don't know what we made it to, but we made it. We graduated from year one of whatever this period of time is. But anyway. Maybe it's a two-year course. (laughs) No. But anyway, we're going to start off 2021 in a good place. So Chris and I have collectively brought one of our most favorite people on the planet as our guest today. I have wanted to have her on the show for such a long time, but I'm like, oh, she's like my best friend, so she can come on whenever. So whenever is today, and today I'm very excited to introduce our podcast listeners to Miss Joanna Horn. Hello. Hi. Hi, Joanna is, has been singing in euphemism with me for, now we're coming up on exactly 10 years. We've been telling Telling people it's been about 10 years, but like <laughs> in like three weeks, it is 10 years. Has the actual Facebook memory dropped? Yeah. Yes. Are you getting close? Getting I can there. tell you the exact date, Amanda. Accepted. Hold on. Did you answer the ad? I did. You did. I she did. answered the ad. The acceptance date was approximately February 9th, 2011. Yeah. Ooh, we're so close. Yep. At like 1030 at night, I got the email. Yeah. It was it. It was great. And we will go into some of my I've met Joanna stories, I think, throughout this because, you know, Chris knows some of them, but I think Chris needs to hear more of them. And so does everybody else, because this is why I love Joanna. I got shortchanged. So, yes. COVID's really dampened my, like, it's really taken away my Joanna time. I was, like, (laughs) thinking about that today. I'm like, when's the last time I saw you in person? Honestly, over a year. We were doing the no Matt's Park. Yeah, that's right. it, was Carol, like, it was after Christmas though. Like the end of last December. So it has it has been over a year. This is so dumb. This is so dumb. For anyone listening to this like fifty years in the future. I haven't seen so dumb. my friends who live twenty minutes from me. That, yeah. My husband saw her when he picked up my Christmas present and I haven't seen her in over a year and I'm very, very sad. So it's ridiculous, but I'm seeing her right now and she looks amazing and I know where <laughs> she's at. So, and she's healthy yes. and and I can see her smile and I don't have to wear my mask, which I would, and I can see her. So there is some positive to this smile. Google experience. Yeah, yeah, right? I see your smiles too. This is making my heart very happy. Oh. <laughs> but anyway, so we'll get into all of these lovely stories with Joanna, but she's not just my bandmate in euphemism. She's sung with me in Snow Day. She sings with the carolers. And then I said, you know, Joanna, I, you know, I worked you through this, this whole contemporary acapella thing. And now I've joined this barbershop quartet and I need you to come and be in this too. So I just like take Joanna everywhere I go and that's just fine. And then also on her own merit, she is also a board certified licensed music therapist. And we need to talk about that too, because as much as change the world you hear her (laughs) disney princess voice but also when you see her work with children that is like i've never seen like a spark or a light you guys have all seen hopefully seen soul by now her soul comes you can see it her little blue person comes on out when she does her music therapy so we'll talk about that too it's her spark those are drops in my bucket thank you (laughs) so joanna i knew we were going to get like totally derailed because that's what we do but tell us a little bit about your two episodes (laughs) (laughs) tell us a little bit about how you got into music and singing and where that came Uh, from for you so honestly I think I've always been doing it I remember singing with my family my mom and I remember 
You Are My Sunshine being the first song that I actually learned. My parents were really eclectic musically. My dad was really into rhythm and blues. So I grew up listening to a lot of that. And then my mom was like rock and roll, like Beatles, James Taylor, kind of that 70s light, <laughs> if you will. But it just, it really brought out my love for music because they always had it playing. And there's something about having music exposure as a child, because I think you're more likely to enjoy it if your parents expose it at an early age. And I always had it. So then I thought for a while, you know, that I wanted to be a singer. And I realized that that's probably not the like a professional famous singer, rather, because I am a singer. You can edit that. I mean, you are. But... <laughs> <laughs> um, when I thought that I would be famous someday, I kind of realized that that was not the most realistic goal. And I thought maybe one day I would want to be a therapist. And I was like, but I love music so much. And so I found music therapy, coincidentally. And that was that. So I was in high school and I was like, this is what I'm going to do. There are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I'm going to be a music therapist. And so here we are. College, ironically enough, I was incredibly shy vocally. Um, what? What? <laughs> oh, that's funny because I still am. Um, <laughs> but even more so than I, I am now. And I did not, people were surprised that I like even in high school, the when I graduated high school, people were surprised that I was going to school for music. They were like, really? You're in chorus, but you, you like to sing? Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. Oh, you never do it. That's because I'm terrified. So college kind of shook that up a little bit, but then acapella really opened my eyes and I saw this group was auditioning in DC. I was Googling like, acapella groups in DC and I auditioned for one group which I didn't make and then I guess they're they lost. must have they're lost <laughs> well when they wrote me the you know no thank you email they were like well actually euphemism is looking for a female so maybe you want to audition for them and I was like okay why not and so I did and that was that and Here we let are. me tell you there was zero question Joanna came in honestly and I was back reading old emails because I was clearing out email accounts that's what I do in the new year I'm like let me just empty things out and I was going back through some old euphemism emails and I saw we had, we were talking about like these three girls that came in and they were all really really talented they really were but Joanna came in I tell you what from the second she walked in the door I think our minds were like 99% made up we're like please just let her be a good singer <laughs> Because where we rehearse, there are no shoes because we rehearse in someone's apartment or condo. And Joanna comes in and we're like, oh, can you take your shoes off? And she was like, brand new people and my socks don't match, which for now that I know her, Joanna's socks never match. But <laughs> she she just came in and she's like, sorry about my socks. It's a party on my feet. And we were like, we love her. We love her. She's in. I hope she's not tone deaf. Uh, in fact, the other girl who will also come on the show at some point, Laura, who is part of our, she fills us out as our quartet now. Um, I believe Laura told my husband Charlie on the way home like that she would like lay down her membership in the group if we didn't bring in Joanna. <laughs> so but the charm was like instant instant and I, I mean I love those stories it feels good now because we haven't done auditions and I haven't been able to to meet all that new many new people but like I think back now like you came to audition like almost 10 years ago and like you never know who's gonna walk through the door like 10 years ago like my best friend walked in the door and like never knew her didn't have a clue and like now look at us. I know. <laughs> all friends. I love acapella. Oh. <laughs> Tell it. So when you came to audition for euphemism, you had not really sung any, I mean, 
you can nail a Sarah B song better than Sarah B herself, I think sometimes, but you hadn't really sung contemporary acapella. So for people that are maybe thinking about crossing over into trying something like that, what was that experience like? It's funny because I, I had no idea about your top acapella groups. Like even after I got into the group, like I had a lot of homework to do. I think for anybody that is crossing over, I think it was such an amazing challenge because I thought when I walked into this group, I was like, well, I've done choir, I've done choral stuff. I can sing pop. I can sing by myself. I figure if I can hold it down by like vocally in those groups that it would be okay with acapella. But it was a different listening and a different attention skill that than I was prepared for with the crutch of like a piano the crutch of accompanying instruments, it really made me listen to everybody else and then also listen to their tone quality and predicting when they're going to breathe. One of my <laughs> first moments was uh, Euphemism has sung With or Without You by YouTube forever, ever. And the soprano line was doubled up. Like I sang the same line as Amanda. And to keep it seamless, we had to stagger breathing so you wouldn't hear breaks in the notes. And, had, and I mean, I'm literally looking at her with like Care Bear stare eyes, like, when are you gonna breathe? Is it gonna be now? And then she'll sneak in a breath, like, like to the side. And you know, we're just like, and then it became a pattern where I knew her breathing. It's like, I'm gonna know she's gonna breathe right now. So after 10 years of singing that song, I know when Amanda breathes, it's not a question. She knows when I breathe and it works seamlessly. But it was a transition, I think, it really focused me to attune to everybody else. And not that I didn't do that in choir and in other things, but it was different because you don't have the crutch of the accompaniment. And then as far as like acapella itself, I mean, after I joined the group, it was like a whirlwind of things happened. <laughs> I was so fortunate to join the group. And a week later, we sang this, or maybe two weeks later, we sang the Star Spangled Banner for the Wizards game. And then oh, maybe a month after that, we were singing and opening up for the Swingle Singers in New York City. What? Amazing. <laughs> so it was a, a whirlwind. But I remember on the drive, <laughs> which was a really fateful, it's a fun story too. Just PSA friends, you should definitely check where to get gas when you're driving long distance. Like just don't, there are no gas stations once you get ready to go into the Lincoln Tunnel. Like just PSA. <laughs> yeah. And I guess as it gets closer to breaking down, your car does shake in the Lincoln Tunnel. Oh, good to know. And yeah, just PSA. Get, get the gas. But I remember Joe Kang and Laura McCann, they were teaching me about acapella groups. They're like, this is Sonos. Listen to their version of, of I Want You Back. And listen, they do it in minor. And then I was floored. And then it was, oh, check out this group. And I mean, it was, my mind was blown. Like, I will never forget that car ride because I was exposed. I remember hearing for the first time, oh, I forget the name of the acapella group, but they sang Alone. And it was a college group. Just phenomenal. I, it doesn't matter. But anyway, it was amazing. Probably on some compilation. Anyway, it, it floored me. I was I was hooked. I still don't even know who half these people are that you've mentioned. I actually only know them from stories that you and Amanda have told me. So I'm like, I feel like I'm in the <laughs> same position that you were in 10 years ago. And we are not 10 years apart. So let's make sure that that is put out there. All so. right. So okay. yes, we will we will catch you. I will I will do I, I need to do a better job then. I need to educate it's you. Okay. I work. was thinking about it. It's very similar. <laughs> like you know that there's a musical where it start they start at both ends and they meet in the middle. Once? 
Sondheim, right? And that Merrily We Roll Along or something. It like starts it like both like two characters. You like see the story and then like as they. It ha- anyway, it's a really cool musical. I'll have to find it have to go <laughs> later. But I was imagining like Joanna's story and my story and like from the barbershop angle and from like I was a choir person, but I was born into the barbershop world. So I even went into my choir world as a barbershopper. I was an annoying student to have. Like you did not <laughs> like having me in your class. Like I was good and, and I wasn't overly amazing. Like I didn't get all the leads or anything like that, but I was just, I, I just, I had an ear for things. Right. And so like, it was more of a, I had more of an opinion than probably I was any help. <laughs> so, and, yeah. So Joanna's fast forward about nine years. And then I was like, come and do this barbershop thing with me. So it's very hard to explain that difference. But since you're the newest data, what was that like for you? So honestly, you know, I don't want to take this into like a weird space, but last year was a really difficult year for me personally. And going from, so when Amanda asked me to join Rogue, I had lost my mom. Literally, she, my mom had died maybe a week after I joined Rogue, a week. So I I think I had a really hard time, if I'm being 100% honest, with that shift. And I don't know if it was more of a internal one that I wasn't able to kind of like clear cobwebs and clear all the debris that I was going through emotionally and personally. So I think for me to say that shifting from coral to going to acapella and then to doing barbershop, which is like the most difficult in my opinion, I don't know that I, I don't want to discredit the the difficulty, but but I also want to acknowledge that was it harder because I was going through a grief period or was it, is it? I think it's really important to to talk about that because in just in a light way that that is something that I find in barbershop all around. It's not just with you. Like it's not an isolated event. It can be the most supportive and the most uplifting or like environment ever, but it also has a lot of weight and it always has carried this weight. And there is this level of difficulty. Like we're getting to a point where it's like you're saturated with difficulty. (laughs) Like everything is just so difficult. Not just the chords, not just the charts, not just how creative you need to be or where can the presentation or what, whatever the music category is, which is my favorite. And those of you who are in the barbershop world, you'll get what I'm saying. But we get to, I think we've gotten to a tipping point with there's not even room for empathy half the time. (laughs) And if you can't be empathetic, like music is dead. Right. And the minute you lose that empathy, you lose any feeling in your music. And I think there can become just a rough environment. And, and, and I watched it happen to you and I've watched it happen to other people but it doesn't it's not a it's not a blanketed statement on barbershop it's just that 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 music I didn't see it because I've been doing it since before I could walk you know like those that is just it it's been an eye-opening experience to take people different kinds of people you and Amanda are two very different people in how you are wired yet so very similar but to take both of you kind of through that and and my mom it just so many different people I've taken on that journey and I and I see like wow like this is a complex like and I those complexities are in acapella too and I'm just starting to get to see those because I've I've never had that I never have had a contemporary acapella experience until snow day snow day was it that was my first that was my first experience in contemporary acapella I've I did vocal jazz in college (laughs) and I did show choir but I'll call it what it was it was vocal jazz we were we were doing vocal jazz charts we never did anything like we never did anything like improv 
nothing, which is weird because jazz, right? <laughs> I don't know why we call it vocal jazz, but yeah. I anyway, mean, and watching you, like I've gotten to watch you grow as a singer over the last ten years, Joanna, and it's it was yeah. I mean, we've been through. It's funny how like different periods of life affect us, and you know, it's not a club we want to be in, but we got to grieve together, Joanna and I both. I was lost. just thinking about that. You yeah. were walking, walking a very similar path in your life, life. And very much. It's it's, it's a, a yeah. It's a painfully beautiful friendship that, that I. Get get to be a part, part of but I, 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 I want, want you guys to know you, you definitely are excellent supports for each other but it was and it was kind of a to have barbershop so new in that period of our lives I think it was a challenge and it was weird but it was also like something completely separate and different and it it actually was helpful in that way I totally agree like if I if I didn't have it during those couple first couple months I mean if I didn't have that focus I mean we were rehearsing Oh every day and every day twice like, a, so day. It was a week together but then on the odd days it was uh, yeah I was yeah what, oh I mean, it was it was intense and then I don't even remember why I had so much time like why did I have <laughs> why did I have so much time like now I'm right. like and they could go do stuff but no it was it was insane I think it was the most it was the best possible di- I don't want to say distraction it's the wrong word yeah it wasn't a distraction it was it was it was just a different focus, and I think I needed my focus to be elsewhere. There was an outlet. I mean, in some, there were definitely ways that we were able to have an outlet. And let's, let's, yeah, yeah you know, we had a lot of creative, we had a lot of creative experiences that we got to just. <laughs> it was definitely experiences. And I think, I think my, I feel bad because, like I said, like I, when I look back on this time last year, <laughs> I think about where I was. And to be brutally honest with you, I don't remember. I don't remember it. So it was like the perfect, perfect break that I needed from what I was going through. But it also where I was in my brain, like I don't remember it. So I do feel bad because I think I was unable to vocally give my best because of where I was. But I'm I'm in a such better place. Like the debris is is still there, but at least I can walk through. I have a path and I'm I'm grateful for that. So that's a I'm good great. segue into the <laughs> next little thing we wanted to talk about yes. it's about how music does affect this kind of stuff when people I mean music therapy is for all kinds of things so tell us a little bit you did you just finished all of your research and tell us a little bit about that because I think what you do is amazing well thank you so my primary focus over the last let's say I graduated undergrad in 07 so for the last 13 years my focus has been children and adolescents that are not neurotypical and that might have any disabilities such as whether it's autism or if there's any other cognitive impairments, physical limitations, whether it be wheelchair or muscular, and then also fine gross motor as well. Um, so that has been kind of my background. And I have spent I spent a lot, a long time doing, worked at a school for children on the spectrum. And I also did some private work as well, where I I worked for a small music therapy company and I was contracted. So on weekends, I would go see a couple kiddos and we would do, we would do music therapy sessions. But my focus kind of shifted during that time after my daughters were born. I have twin daughters. They will be eight in exactly three weeks from today. Oh my God. So on January, January 25th. My miracle uh, babies. Yes. <laughs> oh, seriously, they, they should be. But I was hospitalized uh, for a high-risk pregnancy and I was in the hospital for, gosh, 
a really long time, uh, nine weeks. And then I was on bed rest at home for an additional until my daughters were born. And so I kept thinking to myself, like, how can I take this experience that I have where I am not sick? I am just physically uh, unable to move. I'm separated from my family. I'm separated from my husband and I can't work. And I'm stuck in a very small box alone. And you just, it, there's a lot of psychosocial side effects that came with that. And so I thought, well, music was set, was saving my life. Amanda and Charlie and the rest of Euphemism visited me. I had a couple friends who are music teachers would come and they would, we would sing. I think right before I was released from the hospital, Euphemism was going to sing. We had, we had it all squared away. They were going to come. We were just going to sit in the common room and sing for everybody because it was right around the holidays. And, um, and then you got sprung. And I got, yeah, I was sprung from the joint, so to speak. So I, I, I decided to put my, my focus into music therapy for high-risk pregnancy. And I went back to Shenandoah University to finish my master's. And I focused on research at two local hospitals, working with moms with high-risk pregnancy and using music as their outlet. And it was incredible to see how much it brought them closer to their families that were they were separated from how it brought them closer to their unborn baby, that connection in utero, and also to themselves. It was a way to relax. It was a way to decrease anxiety. It was a way to redirect from pain because laying in bed is not comfortable. Being pregnant in bed is not comfortable when you can't move. So there was a lot of really great things that music kind of guided and helped these moms do. And I think it transferred really nicely. So... But it, but it's not just, you know, children with cognitive that are not neurotypical. It is not just pregnancy. It's dementia. It's Alzheimer's. It's singing to the COVID patients who might be in ICU and they're separated from their families. It's bringing people together. Music is the universal language and it is what draws us together as, as the world. I mean, if you look at look on YouTube for videos of people in Italy that were completely confined. They were completely locked down in that one um, town when COVID had just started. And the one thing that they all did together was sing. Even in New York City, I think every yep. night at like seven or eight o'clock at night, yeah. they would either bang on pots and pans or they would all sing together. And there are videos yep. of people making music collectively as a support. And to go back to your um, statement about music therapy and Alzheimer's, you see story after story, countless story of how the music is there long after many other memories have gone. They can sit down at a piano and play Moonlight Sonata or, you know, anything, just pull it. I mean, and so things that are like riding a bike, we use that statement all the time, but that's not the same, you know, but there, but it's that, that kind of like internal memory. It's one of the, it's one of our first sound is one of our first learned things. Like that's why we have the APGAR score, right? Like that's why we have those. That's why we test a child's hearing ability immediately because we have already developed those neurons. And we saw it, you know, all of, we mentioned earlier that all of us carol together and we got to do a little bit of caroling in 2020. It's definitely nothing like we've done in the past, but a lot of what we did was visit retirement communities and or people that are isolated and we sang to them with masks on from the parking lot like far away from them and like even though we only got to sing a handful of times this year it was even more powerful than I think we've ever done because you know these people were like oh my gosh you've come to my house and you're singing Christmas songs and I can't go do anything and I can't see my family but they sent you here to sing to me and 
I mean, there's just something super emotional I beg a, about that. I beg us all as performers who have, if we have the ability to, and I know not everybody does, but I beg us all to be as resilient as we can because it's waiting for us. We're, it's waiting for us. People are, are looking for entertainment. And it doesn't mean that you have to go to YouTube and it doesn't mean that you have to become a viral sensation. You know, I hate that we are, that some of our performers are having to retreat and resort to other measures and things to do. But for those of us who can be resilient, and and push through and and those of you can come back to your art at any time you know that's your art it doesn't go away I, I always encourage those musicians who have maybe had to step out of pursuing those dreams to remember that's who you know it's still a part of you but the world is waiting for it and I I actually love what came out of 2020 in a way is a little more raw a little more organic a little more like music from an actual place of purpose and meaning and it, there's a story again yeah. it's been a little bit we've we've lost the story a little bit in music and I, I'm excited to see new songs that actually have like material I don't know like a story <laughs> I mean like it actually you can grab you can like cry to it you know it's not I'm not gonna drop songs that don't make me cry but <laughs> there are a lot that don't make me cry from like yeah. a generation music is normalizing so it's it, it makes you feel normal and we have this world is anything but normal right now we've adapted which is amazing humans are weird just incredible i mean gosh who'd have thought like before when i saw people wearing masks masks in the grocery store i'd be like well, that's that's interesting and now you're just like oh dude i like your pattern on your mask i never thought i would think I of that as like an accessory I, but it's i have mask envy now instead of I shoe envy i don't look at people's shoes anymore i'm like oh, i know yeah, i'm yeah, like yeah. how much i mean how much is like okay to spend on masks and like how many masks do i need i have been very good i have five i have five masks and i'm very good at, but they're all cute they're all the, cute <laughs> the ones that i wear the most i'm like tie-dyed myself like a pack of white ones like those are my ones but that's your expression if you can't wear your smile make a fun mask that's why my glitter eyeshadow has significantly increased like I, this is like low-key right now just because i imagine i've been like laying around maybe like touching my face which i know you're not supposed to do but i have been wearing a lot of glitter and sparkles because yeah um, i can't awesome. smile because i have to wear a mask eyes will smize trust me you're smizing you know you're smizing all over the place <laughs> I try really hard to like look mad in my mask because I'm pretty sure the only part of my face that ever looks mad is like just my chin. Like I try really hard. I'm like, but I'm still, my eyes are still too open. <laughs> chin is mad. <laughs> All right. Well, Chris and Joanna and I are going to go talk for another three hours, but it was so nice to be able, and we're going to bring Joanna back because we're going to do a whole little Hep Kittens debut Ooh. on yeah, this. Yeah, and I really need to talk to Emma and Natalie. Like, I really do. Yeah, we should like, just I have actually Emma. have more questions for Emma and Natalie than I do Joanna because I, I I love Joanna, but like, um, twins. Yes. By the way, amazing. you guys don't know, Emma and Nellie are her amazing kids. So I don't know if she even wanted me to put their names out there, but they're... Oh, it's totally fine. They love to sing. And this is my, I don't want to say my fault, but it's it was definitely something that they have been exposed to. So I'm glad I can pass the torch. It, I don't love it as much at 6.30 on Saturday mornings when Emma, who has a belt, like I have never heard from an eight-year-old. Unlike, unlike, even unlike Annie and no Annie has, no Annie that has ever played Annie has anything on that child's belt. I'm like, can, can we can we do it maybe at noon on Saturday? <laughs> watch for those nodes, girl, man. She's going to have to watch. She's a... Oh, snap. You're right. You're right. And Natalie, like, just 
just making it making it work too the two of them so anyway <laughs> well we'll have to have emma and natalie and we'll we'll hear more from joanna but joanna yeah. thank you for coming and chatting thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it